Amen. Thank you guys for leading us and reminding us of that. We need that reminder. That's why we come here every week. Because we forget in the midst of a world where there's so much bad news, in the midst of lives where there's so much bad news, that is good news. It is done. It is finished. Christ has won. He has risen. He's brought us to himself. And so we're so thankful that you guys are here to worship with us today. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. and so glad that you are worshiping, whether you're here with us, whether you're watching online. Thank you guys for, for being here today. Um, we are, this is one of the most exciting Sundays we've had uh, since I've been here because today we get to celebrate baptism. Um, and I, we're in the midst right now of a series called The Resurrection Life. And so what we're doing as we walk through this series is we are looking at key passages in the New Testament that talk about how what Jesus did for us 2,000 years ago and half a world away changes everything about how we live in the here and now. So it's not just something that we believe happened back there, and the resurrection isn't just something that we believe is going to happen in the future, but it changes everything for us right here and right now. And baptism, which we're going to be looking at today, is a vivid portrait of that reality. Baptism, which we're going to celebrate, is kind of like a painting. It's kind of like a work of art that Jesus has left us to remind us of what he has done for us and what he wants to do in us. Now, if, if you know me, um, I am a terrible artist. Okay, so when I was in school, art was always my lowest grade. I did really well in lunch. I did really terrible in art. Um, and my kids have basically, get, it used to be that they would ask me to draw things for them, but I, they've given up on that because everything I draw looks the same. Like unicorn, T-Rex, anteater, a house, it all looks the same. I am quite possibly the world's worst artist. But maybe that's why I appreciate and I'm amazed when someone can create good art. So if you've been in my office, you may have seen on my wall, I have a print of Rembrandt's famous painting, The Return of the Prodigal Son. It's one of my favorite paintings by one of my favorite artists. Because everywhere you look, I don't know if we have a picture of it, everywhere you look in this painting, there it is right there. Everywhere you look in this painting, there are details that are telling you a story. So you've got the rags on the son's body. You've got the, the sandals that are falling off his feet where they've been worn through to the soles. You've got the older brother standing there aloof and judgmental. You've got the hands of the father as he is welcoming home this son who he thought was dead and is now alive, this son who was lost and is now found. Henry Nouwen actually wrote an entire book based just on his reflections on that painting because every detail tells you a part of the story. See, the thing about a great work of art is that the longer you look at it, the more it tells you. That's what baptism is like. Baptism is a physical reminder that Jesus gave us of his gospel. It is a picture of how his death and resurrection changes everything for us. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 6 today. And in Romans chapter 6, it's almost like Paul is standing back with us in an art gallery looking at this painting of baptism. And he's saying, look at this, look at this. And he's pointing out the richness and the nuance of the story that it tells us. Probably heard it said that uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, I'm actually going to try to cut down my sermon by about a thousand words today. Um, I don't make any promises about that, but I do want to spend some time looking at what baptism means, and then we're going to celebrate. We're going to look at this picture of his death and resurrection and our death and resurrection that Jesus paints for us in baptism. 
Now, there's really two ditches that we can fall into when it comes to baptism. On the one hand, some of us come out of traditions that almost treat baptism like it's something magical, like there's something magical in the water or there's something magical in the ritual that saves you, that that washes away your sins. And that's not how the Bible treats it. The Bible is clear that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and no religious ritual that we perform, no religious ritual that someone else does for us makes us right with God. And so that's, that's one ditch that we can fall into. But I think that probably for many of us, at least in in Protestant circles or from Protestant backgrounds, we tend to fall into the opposite ditch, where we don't take it seriously enough. We we treat baptism like it's some kind of optional add-on to the Christian life. So it's a nice thing, it's cool if you want to do it, but it's really no big deal. It's actually not the way that the New Testament talks about it. According to the Bible, God saves us by grace through faith. But in the New Testament, baptism and saving faith always go together. They're always linked. They're part of following Jesus. Baptism is assumed all over the New Testament. But probably there's no place that that explores the significance of it more than Romans chapter 6. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14. And we're going to see how baptism is a picture of the resurrected life that we've been talking about. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his, knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members as instruments for righteousness to God. For sin shall have no dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Let me ask you, have you ever asked God to give you a sign? Like ask God, God, just give me a physical sign. Give me a sign that hope isn't lost. God, give me a sign that you love me. God, give me a sign that you're still with me, that you haven't given up on me, that you're still for me. That's what we have actually here today. That's what baptism is intended to be. Baptism, which we're going to be celebrating today, and the Lord's Supper, which we're going to be celebrating next week, are physical signs that Jesus gave us to remind us of his love for us. In the midst of a world that's trying to kill our hope, these are physical signs that Jesus has given you to keep hope alive. And today we're going to see three realities that baptism points to, three, three aspects of the story that it paints for us. We're going to see that baptism is a physical picture of union with Christ. 
It's a physical picture of death and resurrection with Christ, and it's a physical picture of citizenship in Christ's kingdom. Union with Christ, death and resurrection with Christ, and citizenship in Christ's kingdom. First, baptism is a physical picture of union with Christ. So if you look at verse one, Paul starts out by asking a question. Look what he says. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Now, here's why he's asking this question. Because for five chapters leading up to this point, Paul has been building his case for what he calls justification through faith alone. That's this glorious truth of the gospel that we are not right with God based on what we do. We are right with God based on what Christ has done for us. And that is so vital to understand because here's how most people think about religion. Here's how most people think about Christianity. Most people think Christianity is about what you do for God. The gospel teaches that Christianity is about what God has done for you in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We just sang this. It is done. It is finished. There's not something more for me to bring to the table to make God love me or to make him accept accept me. Jesus died and rose again. And now through trust in him, I am as right with God as Jesus Christ is. But then that raises the question. If we've been saved by grace, if if we don't do anything to make ourselves right with God, then, then why not just keep living our old lives? Why not just keep living a life ruled by sin? I mean, we get heaven when we die. Why not live like hell now? And it's interesting because here's what Paul does not do. Here's, Paul does not say, you know, you're right. I didn't think about that. He doesn't say, you know, we need to balance this out a little bit. We need to make sure we don't go overboard on this grace thing. Let's, let's put some law back in this. Let's, let's make some guardrails around grace. Let's tone it down a little bit. That is not what Paul does. He does not back away from the glorious truth of God's grace one inch. He presses into it harder. He he says the problem is not that that your view of God's grace is too big. The problem is that your view of God's grace is too small. You're treating grace like a legal fiction, but grace is a life-changing power. The gospel isn't a get-out-of-hell-free card. It is a life-giving power that changes absolutely everything. And so he asks, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? And look what he says, verse 2, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul says the gospel is not just a set of words. It is a life-changing power. The death and resurrection of Jesus isn't just something we believe. It's something we live. And then it's fascinating what Paul does here. He, He points us to baptism, He says, remember what your baptism tells you. He says, you were baptized into Christ. You are in him. The New Testament, as many of you know, was was originally written in Greek. And the word baptize is just a Greek word that literally means to immerse. Now, there are some traditions that that do baptism differently. And and we don't have time to to get into all the reasons for that today. But but this is why we practice baptism by immersion here. This is why we're going to immerse Rebecca in just a few minutes. Because baptism paints us a picture. When you're immersed into the water, it's a reminder that you've been immersed into Christ. 
thankfully we pull you back out. We don't keep you immersed in the water. But, but the point is still the same. You're immersed into Christ. Your life is in him. If you read the New Testament, the primary way that it talks about Christ's people is that we are in Christ. You know how many times the word Christian shows up in the New Testament? Three times. Three times. The phrase in Christ shows up at least 164 times. We are in Christ. We are organically connected to him. Our life is found in him. He's not just our teacher. He's not just our king. He's not even just our Lord or our God. He is our life. We are in him. Galatians 2.20, Paul says it this way. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so if that's true, if I am in Christ and Christ is in me, if he is the source of my life, if I am so united to him that his life is my life, then that will necessarily change the way that I live in the here and now. That's the reality of the life of faith. It's not just a theological or a philosophical idea. It's the very life of God coursing through our veins. And that changes everything. And what specifically is it about being united to Christ that gives us life? It's the fact, Paul says, that we have died and we have risen with him. That's the second reality. Baptism is a physical picture of death and resurrection with Christ. We go down into the water, symbolically dying and being buried with Christ. We come back out of the water, symbolically rising with Christ. Now, obviously, we don't physically die when we're baptized, but that actually was a reality for many of the early followers of Jesus. And it is still a reality for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. Baptism was a radically subversive act in the ancient world. Because baptism was a way of declaring Jesus is Lord. And if Jesus is Lord, then Caesar is not. And so baptism literally meant death. It literally meant execution for many of the early Christians. And it still literally means death for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. Like I can tell you personally stories of friends of mine who I've known whose own fathers have put bounties on their head when they identified with Christ through baptism. But they also realized Christ has died and Christ has risen again. And I have died and I have risen again with him. So even death can't ultimately hurt me. For many of our brothers and sisters, baptism means literal death. But, but that's not the reality for those of us in this room. So often for many of us in this room, even after we become followers of Jesus, most things maybe stay the same, at least on the surface, right? Same jobs, same families, same address. So what does it mean that we have died with Christ? There's really two things that this passage focuses on. Paul says, Paul says, baptism reminds us that in Christ, we have died to the penalty of sin. And in Christ, we've died to the power of sin. Let me show that to you. Verse five, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. 
Now, now verse seven is fascinating. Paul says, the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, this Greek word here that Paul uses that's translated set free can also and is also often translated justified or declared righteous. And I think this is one of those cases where he intentionally chooses a Greek word that can be translated. It's a very nuanced word that can be translated a number of different ways because what he's saying is that, is that we have been justified by Christ's death. We've been declared righteous through Christ's death, but we have also been set free through Christ's death. We've been liberated from the power of sin through Christ's death. Jesus has set us free from the penalty of sin, and he has set us free from the power of sin. Jesus paid the debt for our sins. Jesus did the time for our crimes, and I am united to Christ. I am in Christ, so when Christ died, I died with him. The debt has been paid. The time has been served. And now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter how ugly your past, no matter how sordid your past, no matter how sinful your past, no matter how messed up your past, or frankly, no matter how messed up your present, there is no condemnation for those who place their trust in Jesus' death and resurrection for their sins. And for those who are in Christ, it's not just that the penalty of sin has been paid, but it's that the power of sin has been broken. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus has died. He has risen again. We died with him. We have risen with him. We will rise with him when he returns in the future. And that future changes everything about our lives in the here and now. So if that's true, then I got to ask myself the question, why don't I always experience that reality? Why don't I always live in that freedom? Why do so often we live hopeless, defeated lives? It's because we forget that reality. We forget what Christ has done for us in the past. We forget what Christ will do for us in the future. And so we lose sight of hope in the present. That's why Paul says what he says in verse 11. He says, consider yourself. Think about yourself. Get it into your head. I am dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because if you want to change the way you live, you got to change the way you think. Paul says, when temptation comes your way, he says, remember what baptism tells you. Remember, I died with Christ. I rose with Christ. His life is coursing through my veins. I am no longer a slave to those things that once enslaved me. When guilt or shame comes your way, he says, remember your baptism. Remember, Christ bore the punishment for my sins. He died in my place and rose again. He took my sin. He took my shame. He took my guilt. He took it to the cross and he took it to the grave and he buried it there. And I don't have any guilt left to carry. I don't have any shame left to carry because Jesus buried it. When fear or despair comes your way, he says, remember the truth of your baptism. Remember, I died with Christ. The worst thing that could ever happen to me already happened to me. I have already been crucified with Christ. 
And I have risen with him. And one day he will return and he will wipe away every tear from my eyes. And he will set all things right and he will make all things new. And in the words of Tolkien, everything sad will come untrue. Baptism reminds us of this world-changing good news of Christ's death and resurrection for us. Finally, baptism is a physical picture of citizenship in Christ's kingdom. Baptism is the naturalization ceremony for those who are becoming citizens of Christ's kingdom. Baptism is the way that we officially go public and we publicly renounce citizenship in the kingdom of darkness and we officially declare allegiance to King Jesus. We we announce, I am done trying to be my own king. I am done trying to be my own God. I am done trying to be my own savior and I trust Jesus to be my king and my God and my savior. If you pay attention, there's, there's kingdom language all over this, passion, uh, this passage. He talks about dominion. He talks about reigning. See, see, the Bible doesn't just treat sin as like isolated bad things that we do. It treats sin as a power that enslaves us. We're all naturally born into this kingdom of sin. We are, we are held in slavery to this false king who only wants to steal and kill and destroy us. The resurrection tells us the good news that Jesus has liberated us. He has defeated sin and death and hell itself. He died and he rose again. We died and we rose with him. And that means that his victory is our victory. And his freedom is our freedom. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin be the king over you to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you. Sin will not be your king since you are not under law, but under grace. Paul says you have been set free from the kingdom of sin, and you have been brought into the kingdom of grace. You've been set free from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. You have been set free from the kingdom of death and brought into the kingdom of life. So live that way. So live that way. Don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to that old slave master who only wants to kill and steal and destroy Walk in the freedom that Jesus has purchased for you with his blood. We're going to celebrate God's grace through baptism in just a minute here. But before we do, I just want to ask you just to be honest with yourself today. Where am I today? So maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but, but maybe you, you've never been baptized. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's time for you to go public with your faith. And so if you want to explore that, if you've got questions about that, if you're not sure, but you want to explore it a little bit, I would love to schedule a time to get together. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to think with you about that. Maybe today you're, you're not a follower of Jesus. And so you, you hear all this talk about being baptized and all this talk about the life of God coursing through your veins. You're like, what does that even mean? And you see people being baptized. And, and honestly, you're not even sure what to think about it. So maybe for you, what, what you just need to do is you just need to investigate it. And you just need to ask yourself some questions. You need to say, is there any truth to the resurrection of Jesus? Is there any truth to this this power that that this guy is up here talking about that has the power to change my life? And so we want Christ Community Church to be a safe place to ask those questions, maybe even to wrestle with doubts. 
And so if you're interested in, in investigating Christianity further, I would love to speak with you. And, and maybe today you are a follower of Jesus, but you're struggling. So you feel that pull of sin and temptation, and you hear the voice of that old slave master calling you back to slavery. Listen, following Jesus does not mean that you never struggle or that you never stumble or that you never mess up again. After Paul writes Romans 6, he goes on to write Romans chapter 7. And in Romans 7, he talks about how I almost feel schizophrenic, he says, because it's like there's this deep internal war going on inside of him, which is really encouraging to me because I feel that way pretty much every day. And so if you're struggling, be encouraged. And remember, as we look at baptism in a minute, just remember the truth that it teaches you. Remember, you've died with Christ. You have risen with Christ, and there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has set you free from the penalty of sin, and he has set you free from the power of sin. And so as you fight that daily battle, you don't fight out of a sense of guilt. You fight out of the reality of grace. You don't fight out of a sense of shame. You fight out of the freedom that Christ has won for you. And baptism reminds us of that good news. Jesus has united us to himself. We have died and risen with, with him. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of his light. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to celebrate the hope of the gospel through baptism. So as I'm praying, I'll invite the band to come up. I'll invite Rebecca to come up. We're going to get to hear her story in just a minute. And so let's pray. And then we'll see this picture of the gospel played out in front of us. Father in heaven, we are amazed by your grace. We're astounded by the fact that, that you would love us like you do that you would send your son to pay the penalty for our sin, to die in our place, to rise again, conquering sin and death and hell and condemnation. We thank you that Jesus took our sin to the cross and he took it to the grave and he buried it there and he rose again. Thank you that you've united us with him, those of us who believe in you, to trust in him. We pray that you would remind us how the death and resurrection of Jesus changes everything for us. Thank you for the opportunity we get to hear Rebecca's story. Thank you for her story of how you have pursued her and how you have brought her to yourself, how you have rescued her from, from the kingdom of darkness, from, from the kingdom she was just trying to live in by herself, of her, of her own kingdom, and brought her into the kingdom of your beloved son. Thank you for your goodness. Help us to walk in the reality of our death and resurrection with Christ, the reality of the gospel that changes everything. I pray it in Christ's name, amen. Every week we have a key verse that we, that we try to memorize and we try to get the word of God into our lives throughout the week. Um, and just we take it and we meditate on it and we chew on it. And so this is from Romans chapter six, verse four that we already looked at. We were buried therefore with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. So as you go throughout this week, remember that truth, but also remember what we've witnessed here today. And remember that, that if you're trusting in Christ, you've died and risen with him and you are free in him. So live in that freedom this week. We said you out the benediction. Benediction is just a word of blessing for the road. This comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Now may the God of peace, 
who brought again from the sheep from from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever amen peace be with you have a great week